Well, we're in our series, and it's uh, Jesus in the Names of, and today we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus the Mediator. Um, when we think about mediation and, and those kinds of things, it's somebody who brings differing parties together and tries or comes and, 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 and builds upon that. And why is that? Well, there's a, there's a general paradox in life, isn't it? There, there's that side that we want to know everything about the truth about ourselves, and the paradox is that there are things about ourselves we really don't want to know. And that's kind of the, the ongoing that battles there. So we seek the awareness about the reality of who we are. And the challenge that we experience is how to keep what we're willing to look at and how we're to look at who we really are and to be totally honest about that and, and to understand what it is that we really are in that circumstance. Um, start with our bodies. Let's start there. You know, we, we look at our bodies and we buy scales, we buy mirrors, and we buy pants with precisely measured waistlines, and, and we, we go through that habit. And, and then all of a sudden when the scales and the mirrors and the precisely tailored waistline pants aren't fitting like they used to, uh, we're not sure that we want to believe that, and we begin to toss the reality of those things out. Oh, it can't be me, and it can't be anything else. It must be that those pants are not fitting properly because they weren't tailored right. The problem with the scale, though, is, is it's hard to finesse. We try. We approach the scale with extreme caution. Um, there are some of us who approach it, and we take off our shoes before we get on the scale. We take off our belt. We empty our pockets. Uh, we take off our earrings, and we comb out the hairspray from our hair, or, or we take off our glasses, or, or uh, we make sure that we're wearing thin clothes as we get on those things. Some even clip their fingernails and toenails before they'll get on the scale to understand the reality of what it is that they're looking at. And I heard one person even took out their loose fillings. So we get upon the scale for that reality of the truth of who we are, and what do we do? We exhale. <sighs> before we get on and we look at what the numbers present. It turns out, though, that, that scales experts tell us that scales aren't the most accurate rendition or representation of the physical health that we're really in, and that's good news for me. And uh, we think about that, and, and not far from our house is, a, is this new, newfound facility, and for a small fee, they will actually measure not only your body mass index, but, but also the amount of fat and other things in your body. And, and what you do is you come in and you sit in a chair and you exhale, and then you cross your arms and you hold your breath until you almost pass out, and when you start to see that white light coming down the tunnel, an angel singing at you, you know that it's time to take the measurement, and they can see and tell you what kind of shape you're really in. Well, Ken Davis, uh, Ken Davis is a wonderful Christian comedian, and he's invented a, a, a less expensive and actually free method of measuring one's fat content. And he, and he says it this way. He says, next time when you get out of the shower, stand in front of a mirror and hold a stopwatch in your left hand. Stomp your foot as hard as you can and start the stopwatch. And when things finally stop jiggling, click it again. <laughs> now, folks, I'm here to tell you that for me, I'm down to three days 26 hours, 15 minutes, and 12 seconds. So, so we see the significance 
of, of what, where we're trying to get to here. I mean, savvy marketers will tell you that we don't have to be concerned or consumed about the truths about ourselves. They will market clothings and things that are guaranteed to fit the different sizes. Not long ago, I went down to the local Old Navy and bought a new pair of jeans because all my other ones were getting holes in them. And I began to look for the size that, that, that fits me well, and it's that relaxed size. And, and as I began to buy those pairs, I was thinking about all the different sizes of the things that are there. And some people call those grow with me pants. And, and especially in the holiday season, they, they work very well, don't they? But sometimes we have to get to the reality and not overlook what we are about and the truth about who we are. What about when it comes to our soul? We can, we can look and jest about our physical bodies, but what about our soul? And believe it or not, we, we follow the same pattern. We want to deny, we want to suppress, we want to minimize the things in our lives that need immediate soulful attention. We assert, we adorn, we elevate uh, those things that are of truth and we say no, that they're false and we want to ignore them and cast them aside. We oversell ourselves as being healthy, spiritually, soulfully. And yet inside we might be dying and we might be struggling to find hope and that belief that will help us to hang on. There's a whole field of social psychology that's called uh, cognitive dissonance. And that is that, that we can escape the reality of what's going on and insert our own predicament with an outcome that can justify why we do what we do. It's like the guy that's on a diet, and he drives by the bakery, and he says to himself, if God wants me to have a donut, there will be a parking space available for me when I come to the donut store this morning. And on the sixth time that he crosses through the block, he finds one available, and he pulls in, and he says, it was God's will that I would have a donut today. Was it God's will? Or was it our own way through humanity to justify something of greater significance. Well, a lot of us, we're just afraid of the truth. We, we think about the truth, we're afraid of it. Uh, the one where we know that we are all sinners. The truth is that none of us um, has it all together. The truth is that we all fall short of the grace of God. And that truth comes and runs true. And, and the deeper truth is that that soulful truth that knows that we cannot save ourselves but we need a savior. We need someone else who can do what we cannot do, who can fathom the unfathomable, who can do the unthinkable on our behalf to go there. We prefer to live in a, a concept where we ignore the reality of our depravity. Depravity is our sinfulness. We want to live and think that, that God is just a, a woo, good, a good, good feeling kind of God. Well, he is a good feeling God. But there's also a part of God, a greater part that is a holy God, a God who calls us, you and me, into holiness that we as sinful people can and will find a way to stand before him but we cannot do that on our own. So many times in Scripture it says that man has tried, woman has tried, we have tried, but none of us can get close enough. But God did something to allow that to happen. I want to take you back to that story of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah, that one that many of us learned as children. Jonah's life was interesting. Jonah ran away from God. In fact, Jonah wanted to run as far from God as he possibly could. God was the last person that Jonah wanted to be in the presence of. And what did God do? God did the unthinkable. God sent a large fish, the Scripture says, and that fish swallowed Jonah. 
symbolically and metaphorically reminding us that God wanted to have us in his presence. That whatever it takes, God is willing to do to bring us to there. God went to the extremes to accomplish that purpose, to say, Jonah, even though you're running from me, even though your life doesn't represent what I want it to represent, I'm going to chase after you, and I'm going to bring you to me. But what about us? You know, we, we stand uh, in, in life today and in, in, in all days, and we, we are reminded of how short and how small we really are when we gossip about one another, when we, when we do things to, to bring harm upon others, when we are negative to our creation and we begin to destroy resources, when we ignore the platitudes of love that God calls us and we live into the many isms that so frequently call us into its attention we find ourselves running from God, and we find ourselves so very far, and yet we strive and we want to desire to be into this courtyard of God's. We want to be into his presence. Well, Hebrews 12 reminds us of something very powerful. It reminds us of, of, of some significance, and the writer is, is spot on with this, and the writer says that, that something had to give, and more importantly, that God was going to fulfill his plan in a very visual way by coming into the world in the flesh. God here, incarnation, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and God came as Jesus the Christ. Jesus becomes the mediator, the writer of Hebrews says. The writer shares that we, humanity, no longer have to go to Mount Zion, the physical Jerusalem, but we are, he is calling us into a heavenly Mount Zion, a place filled with angels, with saints, a place where God reigns and lives and is supreme. It's the place where God's presence never ends, and we are called to be into that, and Jesus is the one who mediates all of the negativity of our life and allows and brings us into that presence of God. In early Judaism, it was the, it was the duty of the high priest. It was a ritual where the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, a place inside the inner sanctum of the temple of Jerusalem. It was shrouded with a large curtain, a veil, so to speak, and only that high priest was allowed to go back behind the curtain and offer human sacrifice, not, not people, but, but as a human being, offering sacrifices of animals and grains and things so that God would be pleased. And they would tie a large rope around the high priest with a bell on the other end. And as the high priest went in, as long as they could hear the bell ringing, they knew that the high priest was worthy before God because he was the only one who could be in God's presence. And when they didn't hear the bell, then they had a rope that they could remove his dead body if need be. But it's, it took man, it took a human being to go and to offer this. And this is where we are this morning. At the time of the resurrection, Jesus, God, man, became the mediator. He became the one who eliminated a priest or a pastor or a holy person to have to go offer a sacrifice on your behalf or mine. And Jesus eliminated the need of that earthly priestly action as he becomes the high priest and allows 
that as the go-between. Jesus is the go-between. Paul writes this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. Jesus' blood speaks a good word on our behalf, saying that it's a sacrifice for our sin, and that has been offered once and for all. We don't have to keep reliving this. Jesus did it once and for all, and the relationship with God is once again assured. It's been totally restored, and that covenant has been reconnected and rebuilt because God came from the mountain back to the earth. Jesus went from the earth back to the mountain and became the connector piece from there. From the very beginning, you and I have had something called free will. Free will is something that confuses a lot of Christians. Well, if God loved us so much, why did he give us the ability to choose? Because we always choose wrong. God gave us the ability to choose as a gift of love. He wants us to choose to love him. He wants us to choose to live a path of holiness and walk a path of holiness. If you were a parent or a grandparent, when you look at your children, doesn't it mean more when your children say, I love you, mommy or daddy or grandpa or grandma, because they choose to do it rather than you forcing them to do it? It's out of that love that they come. We have the freedom to choose good or bad. We have the freedom to choose right and wrong. And wouldn't you know it, every one of us since the beginning of Adam and Eve, we choose bad and we choose wrong. And that becomes the problem. And on our own, we don't have the strength to remedy that. On our own, we don't have the ability to fix that problem. On our own, we don't have what it takes to come into the holy presence of God on our own. And Jesus becomes the mediator. Jesus is the path. Jesus is the one who builds that pathway that gets us where we need to be. Knowing that we're unable to save ourselves, God did the unthinkable once again. Unlike Jonah, uh, he did not send a large fish to swallow us, but instead he, he left his celestial throne. And we read about this in the gospel stories. We read about this in John, and we read about this in Luke. And Abel being killed by his brother Cain, Abel's blood cried out, cried out to God for judgment. And Abel called God to judge his brother and to condemn him and to kill him and to persecute him. We call that smiting in the Old Testament. Therefore, it took a person, a man, a, a high priest to enter into a, the Holy of Holies and to offer sacrifices. And that high priest would do that on the behalf of the people of Judaism. But God had something else in mind. He decided that he would come here and he would enter through the power of the Holy Spirit into the womb of a peasant girl. And he would be birthed as a baby into this world, God in flesh, totally human yet totally divine, again, incarnation. And we see the significance of this. And unlike Abel's blood, which bore the witness, calling for God's judgment, the blood of Jesus Christ, as he went to the cross, called for reconciliation, forgiveness, and restoration. And we see the significance there. And when Jesus came and fulfilled that, we no longer need anybody to do that on our behalf because God came as Jesus 
went to the cross and said, it is done. Say that with me, done. Done. It has been done in our behalf. Well, let me use this, this as an illustrator here for us. Here we have a couple of ladders, and this uh, symbolically is to represent where we are. So on one side we have God. On the other side we have you and me, us. And what is here in the middle? It's a chasm. So here's what happens, because we can't approach a holy God on our own because we just don't have that ability. Because of our sin, it creates this chasm between us and God. Well, the scripture says that none of us is perfect and, and none of us can get there on our own. So God came into the world as Jesus. And he went when he was nailed to a cross. The Romans said that this was the worst feat of torture and yet God would use it as a symbol of love. So Jesus was killed on a cross. He was laid down to death. He then came and died. And because of his death, he created the bridge between us and God. The powerful testimony of Jesus the mediator. The writer of Hebrews says that we've come to Jesus who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter for God. He is the mediator of this covenant because of what Christ did on the cross. You and I are once again connected with God. There's a story of a little girl. She was out playing in the roadside and the ball got away and she ran in the street and was hit by a bus. And her injuries were were horrible. They took her to the hospital. Her parents were going through a horrible divorce. The only thing that they had in common was the one child who was now hurt in the hospital, not sure whether she would live. They called the parents. They both came, and dad was on her left side of the bed, and mom was on her right side of the bed. And as the little girl was laying there, and the doctor said, we're not really sure we can repair these injuries. We think we're going to lose her. We're so sorry. And at that moment, the little girl opened her eyes so ever faintly, and she took out her left hand from underneath the sheets, and she said, Daddy, give me your hand. And the father gave her his hand. And she said, Mommy, give me your hand. And Mom gave her her hand. And her last act before she died, she brought them to her together inseparable. This is what Christ did for us, folks. He brought us to the heart of God, the very place we need to be. And he did it because of his love for us. He is the mediator. 